Welcome to the Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is part of the Hunt Elk in 2020 series, where I walk my friend and new bow hunter, Josh, through what he needs to know for his first over-the-counter public land bow hunt. It's based on everything I learned that made me successful for three out of the first four years I bow hunted elk. I've found that I'm learning just as much as he is from this process, and I hope you do too. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Baxter here with Josh. Nice Saturday morning again. How you doing, Josh? Doing well. We just wrapped up an episode on arrows, the most like the deepest podcast episode we've done so far super deep dive but i mean i was just saying at the end it probably summed up like dozens and dozens of hours of your research into one hour so it's a good one um excited Uh, to dive deep on boots now yeah guys can save weeks of weeks of effort on that podcast i don't unapologetically long on that one there's so much good stuff there so hopefully it helps (laughs) guys out um this one will be a little shorter because boots are like i said this is probably the one area of all your gear i would spend money on like the most important area they make or break a hunt but uh there's not as much here it's not as technical but trust me i can make anything (laughs) a little too deep (laughs) Uh, maybe we dive in but uh, josh maybe you start off by giving guys a framework of i mean we're still on this hunt 2020 series we're teaching josh how to do this he's going out cutting for the first time this fall so where are you at with your boots what's your experience with footwear in general and like what are you what are you looking to figure out in this podcast yeah, good question. So I didn't really think about footwear at all until I got into the, all the marathon running. Uh, and then I went to a store, they, they, they recorded my gait and like where my foot placement is. They had me stand on this weighted thing and like where my weight and my feet are. So they got mm-hmm. me a pretty nice uh, trail running shoe. That's kind of like a, could be okay for roads, but like mm-hmm. okay on decent trails. Uh, and I've been wearing that pair of running shoes for gosh, three years now, there's a hole right by my pinky toe, but I still run in them. Oh. Um, now in terms of boots though, I bought the ones that have the, the Merrells. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've had them, I bought them at a REI garage sale used. <laughs> they fit my feet. They were cheap. I didn't have hiking shoes yep. uh, and been using those for like two years. They're not waterproof. I, I know I need to get a new pair. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's, you're probably pretty standard for most guys. Um, you, you have a little more experience with running. So you know a lot about your foot, which we'll talk about here is super important because, mm-hmm. uh, there's a few things I can make that are blanket statements. One of them is that no foot, like one boot fits everyone. Like it's a hundred percent about fit, 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 fitting your individual foot style and foot. So like marketing in the boot industry really drives me nuts because a lot of the time the boot that fits the guy that's touting this product really would be horrendous for everyone else. Right. I really don't like it when guys push boots and be like, everybody buy this boot. It's no, no, it doesn't. We'll talk about why that's the case. So yeah, that's one. Two, this is one area where like, there's not really hunting specific boots. There's not really features here that, oh. that make a boot a hunting boot. The boot itself can be, there's boots that are right for hunting, but like if you buy that from La Sportiva or you buy that from um, Merrill, you buy that from North Face, you buy that from, you know, I'm just, there's 50 names you could buy a boot from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets back to fits about the one that fits your foot. So, and you've, we'll talk a bit about figuring out what that is, but you also have that knowledge now of your foot, which is amazing. That's really good. Yeah. Like I know I don't have an extreme arch. I'm not flat footed. My feet aren't too narrow or too wide. So my, I would say my feet are pretty normal-ish. 
Awesome. Um, You're I'm missing my big toes, nails, but yeah. uh, that's, that's <laughs> the detail people didn't really need to know. TMI, Josh, TMI. <laughs> also get those running shoes replaced after three, 400 miles, the EVA wears down yeah. on those things. So, so oh, yeah, I should. Bummer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and you'll definitely need to replace those boots if they're they're not waterproof and barrels generally have very little support. Uh, so they're great light hiking shoes for trails, but they're right. not, not really where we're going with the boots. So cool. give guys a framework. Let's cover... Uh, let's cover like the things that really matter in a boot. You're, this is again, going off the gear guide on the website, like these articles. So you're going to pick up on a similar thing, which is, you know, we'll go over like what's really critical, what's somewhat important, what really doesn't matter to buying an elk cutting boot and talk about like why that's different, why you need a separate elk cutting boot than just your standard hiking boot. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk a little bit about my recommendations, the ones that since I'm independent, I'm not sponsored. I don't have a bias here. I can talk about every brand and be like, these are the ones I think are best for guys. Again, there's no best boot for everyone, but depending on, do you have a narrow foot with low support? This is a great option, a medium, you know, heavy foot, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, then get into some tips and tricks just for using boots in general for all coming. So got a good podcast here today. And, uh, again, this is, I'd really think this is the most important piece of equipment you can buy for elk hunting um, it makes or breaks your trip so it's well worth the effort um so let's start off with fit 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 right like that is the single most important thing um and to explain a little bit as to why no foot one boot fits everyone here every f- boot manufacturer makes boots by using what's called a last so a boot last is basically a mold like if you took a mold of your foot Mm-hmm. That would be a, a last. So they pick something that they're like, this is the standard foot and we're going to build all our boots around it, right? Because they have to construct the boot around it and then pull it out after the boot's made. That makes sense, right? They have no other, otherwise they have no way to like know how big the boot is. Right, right. So because of that, um, every manufacturer's boots fit differently, mm-hmm. right? Because they're going to typically have a different width, length, or, well, not length, but like width, volume, arch type of thing. And the other thing that's really fascinating about this is it's generally regional too, because Whoa, I didn't know Italian that. boots are going to run, for example, La Sportiva. Um, wow. It's not a good moment to blank. Um, Kenetrek, not Kenetrek, uh, Zamberland. Some of these other ones are going to, uh, they're going to run very narrow because Italian feet tend to be pretty narrow. Oh, interesting. German boots run really wide and high volume. The Loas, um, the Hanvags, those sorts of things. Um, the U.S. boots tend to run kind of medium, somewhere in the middle. But uh, so it, all that to say, every single manufacturer uses a different foot mold. Mm-hmm. So that has a few different ramifications, right? One is that if you don't fit in one of their boots, you're probably not going to fit in other of their boots. Right. So if you know, some of them use multiple lasts, like, I keep saying La Sportiva. I need to shut up about those guys. I don't have any, again, no sponsorships, but uh, they've got like a Trango last and a standard last. So there might be models that have slightly different fits, but most folks are using the same general fit. And this is something you really pick up on in running shoes. People will be like, I am a Hoka person. I am a Brooks person. I am a Nike person. I am a, and if you go to a good running store, they'll be like, oh, you have a foot that fits a Nike. Well, it'll probably fit a Brooks. Oh, I see. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's why I want to buy yeah, 
sorry, keep going. I was going to say, that's why when I buy like Clark's, you have to size down. It's just because like the volume is too big. And yeah. And I think people know this over time. It's like, oh, these, these brands, I need to size up or size down. Yeah. Yeah. So when your uncle Bob comes to you and says, dude, you need to get this boot. It's the ultimate elk hunting boot. That's he's well-intentioned, but like it might fit his foot really well, but it could be the worst thing on the planet for your foot. <laughs> right. Right. And same with sponsored athletes and stuff where they're pushing it hard. Like, and it might not even fit their foot that well. They might not know. Right. They might mm-hmm. think it's standard to get blisters and get these sorts of things. But um, anyway, uh, that's my diatribe on that sort of stuff. Um, the, so the last is different for every manufacturer. So don't get too obsessed about one brand. Um, I actually have like five different brands of boots. It just depends on what fits my foot in each category. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just totally different. Uh, so that's, that's that. Um, with fit, Again, it's personal. We'll talk a bit about like your individual foot and the type of support you need, but make sure to try on boots. It's a quick tip. Make sure to try them on at the end of the day. Your feet swell during the day. A lot of guys, you can, you can try stuff on early and then the boot that fits good then is too small later on. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So your fit, the fit you want to go for is your individual foot at the end of the day. And always, always, always also make sure that you're using the exact same socks that you're going to be using for elk hunting. When you're trying on boots. Yep. And the sock system is almost as important as the boot. And we'll talk about that too, but socks can make or break it. So, you know, if you're at a big box store, again, we'll talk about where to buy boots. But uh, if you are buying stuff on site, which I rarely would do for some reasons, um, just make sure you're buying socks at the same time when you bring them with. Okay. Um, That sort of thing. That's a great tip. Yeah. It's a really, there's some some good ones. We'll sprinkle those in as we're going. Um, Okay. So there's really five types of boots um this is my system but it's not that far off the norm most there is no standard but most manufacturers are going to break up their stiffness into like five-ish categories mm-hmm. um, i think go hunt just launched boot stuffs and they're doing this crispy does this all the italian alpinism mountaineering brands kind of do this but five categories of boots depending on the support and stiffness so this is a critical factor fit is the most critical of all always about fit to your individual foot but beyond that, picking the right amount of support and stiffness is absolutely essential. Okay. Um, so category one, trail running shoes, right? Basically what you had is, you know, there's like very limited support. Um, mm-hmm. There's a level below that. That's, that's like running shoes, but those don't work for the outdoors. Right? So trail running shoes is category one here. Almost no support. They're low rise. All they've really got is just traction. soles, right? Yeah. Day hiking shoes. That's category two. That's like, they've got a little more support. They might come up around the ankle, but really they're designed for hiking trips and ultra like backpacking. Like the pair I've got. Yep. And this is one area where there's a massive difference between hunters and backpackers and backpackers are going to push ultralight shoes mm-hmm. for a huge amount of reasons, but you got to remember they're using them on well-defined trails. Right. So they're essentially walking on like flat, totally made for hiking stuff. And so you can get away with very minimal things. Mm-hmm. So you do not take your advice from ultralight backpacking websites. If you are going to be elk hunting, you're going to be off trail and you're going to be heavy. Um, so very different. So then you get into like the third category, which is like your heavy or durable backpacking boot. Um, that's got medium support. It's usually got a half shank. It's maybe got um, some stiffer foam in the, in the insole. It's got, uh, you know, medium weight loads, moderate trails, 20 to 40 pounds, you're still probably going to be on trail, but at least it's built for loading up and a tiny bit of off trail, uh, trail scrambling. Okay. And honestly, that'll work 
probably the best for most hunters. It's kind of right in the middle, you know, three out of mm-hmm. five, um, four out of five, which is where I'm at. Cause I have a weaker foot, um, which remember guys, this isn't an ego thing. I, I ran an Ironman. I can you know, run marathons, uh, but your foot doesn't change just the way you're born. The foot, mm-hmm. foot you cannot make stronger or change the dynamics of it. Um, we well, can make it stronger, but general concepts. Yeah. Category four, uh, light duty or a three season mountaineering boot, right? So this is stiff. You're starting to get a real stiff. You've got almost a three, four shank. There's barely any flex. It's almost always in the toe area. Um, these are built for insane loads. They're built for off trail type stuff, scrambling. They can't even be compatible with like semi-automatic crampons. Um, they're very intense boots, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think these can be also a really good option for a lot of guys that are elk hunting if you need that level of support. So this has heavy support and heavy stiffness? Yeah. Okay. Well, they run together, basically. Oh, got it's, it. One of the biggest misconceptions in boots is people think it's about ankle support, but you really mm-hmm. can't isolate the ankle because if you do, you limit its its ability to move. Right. That's right. essential. So unless you're in ski boots, you can't do that. Um, or a full-on mountaineering boot, which is category five, a completely rigid mountaineering boot, right? Okay. That's You don't need that for elk hunting. Like mm-hmm. maybe sheep hunting um, anywhere where you've got snow. Uh, fully rigid. This is, you know, snow crampons, intense stuff. Uh, yeah. A good rule of thumb you're going to notice too for all boots is that the softer the terrain, the stiffer the boot. So it's softer continue. terrain, stiffer boot. Okay. So if you notice that, like road running, you actually have the flimsiest shoes. Is that, maybe, oh, yeah. isn't that weird? It's really hard. And then when you're talking snow, which is as soft as it gets, you've got the stiffest. Interesting. So it's a continuum. So if you're in elk country and you're side hilling in this loose, deep loam and kind of fluffy stuff, you actually want a pretty stiff boot. Uh, we talked about this on another podcast, but remember we went turkey hunting. I accidentally grabbed my my mountaineering elk boots, which had never given me a blister, perfect fit, phenomenal. But they just like tore my feet to shreds because we're hiking on like concrete hard trails mm-hmm. in California and it's just too stiff for it. Right, right, right. So you can, it is possible to go too stiff on boots in the same way it's possible to go too light mm-hmm. on this stuff. So, uh, does that all make sense so far? Yeah. So it sounds like you need, uh, support and stiffness. Well, first is fit. So yeah, choose something that, so it sounds like people need to try to understand their feet a little bit better, um, and get to know their feet a little bit. And so that they can figure out what boots fit. And I'm sure you got some tips that we'll go over later. But then the second thing is we Mm got to think of, they need to think about what terrain they're going to be in to then choose how stiff the boot should be yeah and i totally blew by that i probably let's let's hit that next but yeah to you know talk about it too with all these things you should probably step back a level and be like what's the goal like what are you doing and if you're following kind of the general guidance we've had early on about where you're going to actually find and kill elk you're going to be off trail but you're going to be steep i showed you a photo this morning and you're like holy moly that's steep i'm like yeah dude that's where they're at um you're going to be somewhere nasty you're going to be off trail it's going to be deeper dirt there's not going to be um, it's not going to be like a flat, even surface. It's going to be, um, tons of deadfall, lots of rock. It's, you know, gnarly, nasty, softer terrain. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to need, and you're going to be carrying what 20 to 50 pounds on your back. And then a hundred, if you're lucky, right? right. So you are going to be, you're really going to put a lot of stress on your boot and mm-hmm. your foot. So it's pretty important to get this. This is why I think it's the number one piece of gear you can own. Um, but yeah, back to your the bit about fit. We can dive into that in detail. So there's really four things, right? Length, width, your foot, volume, your foot, and your arch type. Um, 
and this is a really hard one because it can't. It's generally pretty hard to figure this out at home. You can look at YouTube videos and there's a lot of people who have guides for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of them are pretty good, but it's generally pretty hard. Um, so the, the length, everyone's got that. Uh, you want, just make sure when you're buying elk hunting boots, you've got at least a half an inch in front of your toe or about your thumb, half inch, three fourths of an inch. Cause yeah, with those heavy loads and the steepness of walking downhill, it's really easy to jam your toes. Right. So something and that's t- totally okay. fine on flat ground will not work coming downhill. Yeah. So at least half inch in, in between. And then, uh, also cause you're going to be wearing thicker socks, but I know you mentioned you should wear those socks when trying them on. Ooh, I'm not a big fan of thick socks. We'll get to that. In a oh, minute. But yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you'll be wearing socks, you know, you'll be wearing, yeah. You can just use the same sock you're using. Um, okay. We'll talk why thick, why thick ones aren't great later, but, um, the width, everyone's got a, the width of their boot based off of the last, like we talked about. Some manufacturers have standard, like a size D and a wide or like an E to a triple E. Mm-hmm. It fits. Some even have a narrower one, but that's super rare. Almost always you kind of get one size fits all in width and you just have to pick the right manufacturer that has the width that fits your foot. Right. right? And width is different too. It's not like the entire boot. It might be narrow in the heel and wide in the forefoot or narrow the whole way through or get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like triangle or a rectangle. Like it can yeah. really vary. It's like, for example, Solomon boots are known for a narrow heel and a wide forefoot, right? Okay. Um, so it's a great brand that fits a lot of folks. Uh, volume, right? So even if you've got the same width and length, you might have a foot that's just got more meat on it or less meat on it. Um, mm-hmm. And so really the only way to get around that is to get a narrower boot because it'll get less volume. Um, it's a low volume foot. Arch, arch type, right? So this gets into pronation and supination, which running stores are unbelievably good at. And that's probably my number one rec for guys. Um, when it comes down to where you're going to buy a boot, which is actually a really critical factor, most of the big box stores aren't going to carry that category for that mountaineering boot, right? That mm-hmm. stiff one, because they're, they're aiming for the mainstream, right? right? The mainstream is going to be cat two or three. It's going to be light hiking or it's people that might backpack, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, if you know a three is good for your foot, might work out. But if not, you're not going to have that there. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend go to a running store. Like go to a really good running store, not just a chain, but one where you know someone's going to do a gait analysis or look at your foot. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you, you know, get you the right length, get you the right, they'll tell you if you have a narrow foot, a low volume foot, arch type. But most importantly, they'll tell you if you're a really heavy pronator or a flat arch because you, you need a ton of support in your foot. Right. Do you remember what they told you at yours, Josh? Yeah, I remember they said my my arch is pretty normal, like not yeah. not too high, not not too flat footed. Yeah. Well, this is great because you've got one of all three. We've got you dead in the middle. I have a very high arch, but I have a flat foot because I have a ton of pronation. Oh, interesting. Makes sense. So it kind of collapses, um, and I have a very narrow foot, super low volume narrow foot. Mm-hmm. Um, then my wife actually. Poor woman. That's probably not the way they want to be described, but she has really strong ankles. <laughs> and uh, so she's like, she can run. It's incredible. She can run in like the zero support. And she's you know, she's got a medium high arch and just incredibly strong feet. Yeah. She could use a day hiker out elk hunting. She's so got such strong ankles. So I've seen all three, right? And I, I can give you suggestions for all three. But none of that, you can't know that. She was a salesman at a 
running store, number one salesman at a running store for like two years. So oh, wow. my knowledge comes from on footwear. Right. Um, but go to a running store, get them to fit you. They'll tell you, hey, you're a pronator, you're a um, you know, narrow foot, a wide foot, whatever it is. And if you do have a foot that has pronation, you're going to need a little more support. As a general rule, you'll want to go to that kind of category four stiffer mountaineering boot, right? Mm-hmm. That's good for your foot. And the, the opposite is actually true. If you have a really strong foot, if you put it in too stiff of a boot, it actually can injure or work against your foot. So it's like like almost everything we talked about. There's this perfect middle where too stiff or you know too weak is going to be bad. Yeah. Um, so that's my my general suggestion. You know, most people are going to fit in that category three backpacking boot. People with you know feet that are need more support go mountaineering. Um, you can verge into mountaineering if you're a normal foot, but you know you're going to be in extreme extreme places and uh, extreme extreme uh, loads, right? Uh, but if you also know. I'm just kind of bopping around here, but you're picking up how these all correlate. Uh, if you know you're going to be hunting a lot of flat ground and you hunt from the car, you, you'd use a day pack. You can get away with maybe a day hiker, right? Got it. Okay. So it's somewhere in those three categories. Go to the running store. The running store will know uh, what your foot's like. They'll teach you. You'll get a great pair of running shoes that fit you. So when you do go running, you're not going to injure yourself mm-hmm. if you use the 10% rule like we talked about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, or you could go, you know, you could go to a uh, a big box store and get fitted for boots. Just be aware that they're not gonna have the mountaineering style boots. Like even an REI won't have them. Oh, they won't have the level four. The nope, no. Nope. So they'll have like, for example, with Solomon, um, you're gonna at an REI, you would get you'd get there and they have the uh, what is it, the X Ultra mids, which are like a category two book, a boot. Mm-hmm. Right, they'll have that, and then they'll have the Quest 4D GTX, which is like a backpacking boot. But they're not going to have the X Alp, which is like the the Category Four mountaineering boot. They'll have it on their website. Okay, I'm all for. I still am. Like, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not trying to tell you to screw independent retailers and local folks. Like, if you can go there, hunting stores. Hopefully, if they're a good one, um, they're going to have those boots. But usually, they're not, especially if it's a big box store. So you can always just go there, get fitted. Again, with the last thing, if you find out a Solomon fits you, you know, okay, but I need a stiffer one and you can ask them to order it off their website. So try to support local retailers if you can, but just be very aware that they're going to they're gonna push you towards what's in stock because they want to make a sale. Yeah. But like you said, it's good to find out like maybe because each brand and each region has their own lasts for mm-hmm. like the fit. So maybe it might be good to go to a big box store just to figure out what brands fit well. Totally. Yeah. And I don't, I really don't want to get into the ethics of like using them for that. And then, but here's the other thing. If you show up at, it's not, not that black and white. You show up at a big box store and you go inside, you're probably picking something up. So yeah, you, yeah. you can pay for that service um, roundabout way. Right. So go there, figure out which ones fit. If they've got it on their website, you know, and you feel like rewarding them for the amount of effort they put in, buy it there. You know, if not, yeah. you can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty, you know, ordering boots online is not that hard. If you know your fit, you know what brands work for you, or you know generally what brand works, I've got suggestions on the thing we'll talk about in a minute. Just make sure you get kind of the size you think you are and then go like a half size up. If you just order those two right off the bat and you'll be like, okay, this fits and you're going to return one. So yeah. it's pretty easy to do e-commerce and you're going to get all the options that way, which is great. Right. Because again, elk hunting, especially backcountry elk hunting like this, it's a niche market that you're just not going to find these boots anywhere but online. 
mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. Um, yeah, so we kind of covered we kind of covered that. You know, the fit. We talked a little bit about the the different things. You know, on your your feed, the type of support. Um, we talked about where to buy stuff. That's just a great way to go about it and to know you've already got that dial, Josh. You know kind of what your foot's like. You're neutral mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Um, weight, another critical factor for boots. So this one, I remember this is actually something I figured out in biking. You know, if you've got weight on the outside of a wheel, it is so much more important than weight on the inside of the wheel because as you m- move down the road, that weight on the outside of the wheel goes way faster than the stuff on the inside, right? It's inertia. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So your boots, every time you take a step, you t- pick that boot up off the ground, you move it all the way up into the air, and then you put it down. Mm-hmm. So you're just holding your backpack static, but your boot you're picking up and dropping every time you take a step. Yeah. So it is incredibly heavy, and I linked to a study on the po- uh, the website, but three only three point five ounces is enough to cause a one percent loss in energy for a human being. When it comes to really, running. they've done some really intense studies on this. Interesting. Okay. So that's 1% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's an incredible amount just for one little thing you strap on your foot. Yeah. Um, and hunting boots are heavy, man. Like they're for a pair, we're talking like anywhere from you know two to four pounds, really. Yeah. Um, and this is probably the area that most guys get screwed up on hunting boots. They go buy something that's super intense, but it weighs four or five pounds. Mm. And there's just zero excuse for that these days. There's so many good lightweight boots out there. And that pound, trust me, you're going to notice a massive difference in your energy levels and kind of your just ease of getting around yeah, after a long day of hiking. Yeah. You, you practically put on ankle weights by accident. Literally. Really yeah. <laughs> there's a reason if you go to Olympic track athletes, they put on like a two pound weight on their foot, which is basically the difference between buying a light or a heavy boot, right? Mm-hmm. To train because it's so much harder for them to do. Yeah. So much harder. So man, you want a lightweight boot. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, the problem with that is you, you got to keep support and weight in mind, right? A more supportive boot will always be heavier. Yeah. Like you got to have the right amount of support for your foot, but I've got some good general guidelines up on the website, but anything over, you know, three and three fourths pounds, it's kind of the line I drew is like, that's just too heavy, dude. Like I can okay. categorically say, don't get that boot. There are some unbelievably stiff three season mountaineering boots, like the category four boots that are, you know, come in at only three pounds. So with anything over three and a half, three and three fourths of a pound, that's just, you, why are you lugging that around the mountains? Gotcha. No, no reason at all. <laughs> um, good in my mind is two and a half to three and a half pounds. You know, that's going to be a typical weight range for a, like a lightweight three season or a backpacking style boot, which is cat three or four. That's what most guys are going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the support, like I said, you need it. It's worth it. Light, you know, 1.75, one and three fourths to two and a half pounds. Um, you know, this is, this is for folks like my wife that have super strong ankles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're pushing the edge of too little support. Like this is really a dangerous place to be unless you really know that your foot is strong enough to deal with it. Yeah. Um, these are the shoes that are going to get pushed a lot by, uh, by big box stores. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what you're going to probably get if you go to REI. They're going to say, "Oh, this is great for backpacking. It's great for backpacking." But they just don't realize the type of terrain or stuff you'll be doing. They're not hunting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, I should talk a little bit about that. Like, how do you know your boot doesn't fit you or doesn't have enough support? Um, mm-hmm. I've I've uh, 
done this again, like all these things I've learned it the hard way, you're going to notice a few things. You're going to have like pain in your foot, like your foot's going to physically hurt. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a ton of blisters on the sides or the bottom part of your ankle because you're pushing so much harder on that to try to overcome the weakness of the, uh, the boot itself. And then you're going to have a ton of knee pain, knee and like thigh pain is a really good sign. You don't have enough support in your boot. Got it. Um, so at the end of a long day, if your knees are killing you, that's because what happens is all the bones and the muscles in your body are chained up your leg. They yeah. vary from out into out, into out, into out. Mm-hmm. So they're all linked together. So what starts at your foot works its way up your leg. Uh, and you'll really, so if the more, if you notice after a big day, you've got a ton of pain up your leg, that means that there was a ton, a ton of stress on your lower leg. Right. Like there wasn't enough support on your feet. So like you over your knees and like your hips will overcompensate and like the load goes there. Is that, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yep. So you're trying, your body's trying to correct your ankle folding basically. And it's just Mm -hmm. not your arch and your ankle folding, which is really, really hard on it. Uh, Leads to injury when you're doing triathlon, which is how I got that torn tendon we talked about uh, way back in the day. So I have a very vested interest in this. Um, And then you know, you also like, for example, if I've done a huge day and I'm popping out of my boots, you know, on a ridge, 2000 feet, four miles up at 10,000 feet elevation, I'm my, you know, my muscles are sore. Like I'm definitely sore and they don't, they hurt, they ache a little bit, but like none of my joints hurt. My feet don't hurt. None of the little tiny muscles hurt. Mm-hmm. It's just like soreness after you might do a weightlifting session kind of thing. Yeah. And that's which is how it should be. Totally. I have zero blisters, zero hot spots. I don't want to take my boots off. Like they feel fine. They're comfortable on my feet. I might, you know, undo the laces a bit to get a little tension out of there, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Um, okay. And then too light, like uh, under a 1.75 or one and three fourths, there's just almost zero chance. That's basically a trail runner. There's zero chance. That's going to be strong enough for all cutting. I can say that with confidence. Okay. So I've got those so up on guys. the website. Yeah, they can look at that. Cool. Yeah, most guys will fit in that two and a half to maybe three and a quarter pounds, you'd say would be a good range. Yeah, two and a half to three and a half pounds. Yeah, somewhere in there. And cool. you can you can get lightweight ones. Again, if you're synthetic versus leather and boot height, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, you just got to pick the right type of boot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. What else is critical here? Um, waterproofing. This one's a little contentious. It's actually, this is not that contentious, but if you talk to backpackers, it's contentious. And here's why. There's a theory that having a non-waterproof boot, uh, a non-waterproof boot will dry quicker, right? The membranes, the Gore-Tex membranes or the, uh, the waterproof kind of stuff, it's, they can't ever get water as, through them as fast because they're much tighter. They got to let water not get in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will say, well, just wear socks that insulate when wet merino socks and non-waterproof boots and just have them dry while i'm hiking some of the most famous guys i think andrew skirko was one of the first i heard from some of the really famous um through hikers say this and that advice is a hundred percent right for them uh they are hiking all day long they're always hot they're always sweating their body's always got excess heat it's basically cooking those socks dry mm-hmm and those, and at the end of the day, they just take them off and dry them, right? Or they'll dry them right. in their sleeping bag. It's totally fine. Hunting is very, very different. Um, you're not hiking in drier, hotter environments. Almost all backpackers are July, August. You know, some get more intense around the shoulder seasons, but it's summer, right? Mm-hmm. You were in September. There's snowstorms. It's down to 10, 20 degrees. It's cold. 
And by the way, it's very often you're going to sit a wallow, you're going to glass a ridge, you're going to do things where you're sitting there watching something. Yeah. You're not drying your boots. Your feet can be freezing. Um, you got to have waterproof boots, in my opinion. Um, you know, some guys, if you're a through hiker, I'm not trying to poo poo you. You might know your individual style. You hunt, hike all day. Like there are exceptions to that rule. Mm-hmm. But for 99, 98% of guys, got to get a waterproof boot. Um, yeah. I'm very rarely like the guy that says get a brand name, but Gore-Tex is probably worth it in this situation. The reason being mm-hmm. is that they're the only manufacturer that says no matter who makes a boot, if they're using Gore-Tex and it leaks, we will replace it for you. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. They've got an incredible, incredible warranty there. I don't know how long it goes, but that's well worth it because boots, no matter how good a manufacturer is, sometimes they just drop a stitch through the liner. And when they when they make a waterproof boot, they take this membrane, PTFE, uh, Teflon, actually. Mm-hmm. Teflon pans is what Gore-Tex is, ironically. Whoa. Um, okay. Same material, slightly different stuff, but they make basically a sock out of it and sew it into the inside of the boot. Oh, interesting. So okay. they might drop a stitch through it, right? If it's made somewhere where they're not, you know, uh, offshore, that's not got great quality standards mm-hmm. um, or they, you know, that they, they uh, are stitching something else and it rips it or tears it. So you can still get boots that even if they're waterproof, they're going to be the exception to the rule. It's not the manufacturer. It's just, that's how it is. It's another reason I always tell guys, if you buy a boot, fill up your bathtub just underneath the tallest part of it, set them in there for like an hour, you know? come back, pull them out, feel around in there. Are they wet? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if they are, then just send them back in and get another pair of the same. Yeah. Um, so it's important to know, but yeah, waterproofing is really important. You're going to need it. You're going to be walking through creeks. You're going to be walking through bogs. If you're remember elk drink, what was it? I think it's like 10 to 15 gallons a day. So they're going to be somewhere with water. You're going to mm-hmm. be somewhere with water. If you're yeah trying to kill elk, um, really important. And then, uh, any questions so far? I'm just trucking through this stuff. It's no, this is good. Yeah, I'm yeah. like making a list of like things to check off. And so I got weight and then definitely waterproof. Uh, Gore-Tex material is like a, sounds like a really, really good brand. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the de facto standard. Some, yeah. some bigger brands, because they don't want to pay the royalties, will make their own waterproof membrane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but check their, their warranty. Um, it's never going to quite... There's stuff that breathes better than Gore-Tex, but it'll fill really quickly. They basically have a triple layer laminate. I'm not going to... Sorry, Josh, I'm not going to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole, but they've got, if you're looking for something that is durable, which is don't wear waterproof gear unless you want durability and consistency. And that is Gore-Tex. That is the gold standard in the industry. Um, nice. That is what they made their name on. Okay. So not the, nothing will outbreathe the moisture you make if you try to work out in something like that. So don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Um, the socks. So socks are really important. Super important. We talked already on another podcast. I can't remember which one about Merino socks and mm-hmm. how critical those are because uh, synthetic socks are going to smell horrific, <laughs> right? Like no matter what, those things smell bad. And you freaked out on the other podcast. I told you, hey, I'll go on a four <laughs> or five day trip and I will literally wear the pair of socks I'm going with and I will not take another pair. I will wear that same pair of socks for four or five days straight. And how you get away with it is Merino, huh? Merino, then, yeah, is it great because they don't, they naturally are odor resistant because the inside of that, there's just less areas for the, the bacteria to grow due to the structure of the fiber, yada, yada, yada. And I heard you stay warm too, right? They stay when warm wet. when they're wet, which is what's going to happen no matter how good your footwear is. It's waterproof. It's going to get, the inside of your foot's going to get slightly moist, slightly damp, yeah. right? Because if you've got a sweat. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, 
this is one area I do need to dive a little deeper. The, the Gore-Tex liner has three layers. One is a water um, attractant, and then the other is a water um, repellent. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you actually have to have water vapor pressure to create a differential pressure to force water through it. Okay. To get out through it. So basically, unless there's a little moisture built up in your boot, the water's not going to be able to get pushed through that liner at a microscopic level via the reactions they've got, right? So it always has, by wearing a waterproof membrane, you're basically making your foot a little bit wetter. And that's why people sometimes don't like them in the backpacking world, but trust me, for elk hunting, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So Merino sock is really good. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can give guys to is make sure to use a liner sock. So what happens is, you know, you've got three things. You've got your foot, you've got a sock, and you've got a boot if you just have a sock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stuff moves in the boot. And so if you just have a sock, what will often happen is the thing that moves is your foot against the sock or the boot because they kind of get a little moist and stick to each other. So that yeah, creates rubbing. Blisters. Blisters, right? So if yeah. you've got a liner sock that's ultra thin and completely stuck to your foot, the rubbing happens between the liner sock and the sock. Right. So it won't give you the blisters. And so that's huge. That's something I learned backpacking. Like we said, I've been backpacking like 25 years. Um, that was a huge one. Merino or a silk liner. Silk is great because it doesn't stink and it's ultra light. Um, and you get to feel real bougie. You know, I've got silk <laughs> liners. <laughs> uh, but they're about the same price. So those, I cannot recommend those highly enough. Um, so Merino sock. So now we get to get into what you were talking about earlier. I'm a big proponent of thin socks, uh, which is really counterintuitive, but like all things, best things in life, counterintuitive is the way to go. Um, This came from the world of skiing. People notice this first. What happens is if you put a really thick sock on, uh, what happens is your foot kind of moves around in it, right? It's not that rigid. So your foot's going to kind of slide around. So what do you do to deal with that? You clamp your boot down harder and harder and harder. Mm-hmm. right to try to get your foot from moving because that causes blisters and insecurity that sort of thing right um that also has a really bad effect which ends up restricting the blood flow on your foot uh, which means cold and pretty painful feet right mm-hmm. so paradoxically the thinner the sock you have the less compression you need to put through your boot to uh to get it to fit well which means that you're going to have more blood flow it lets your foot breathe more because there's more space in there um, right. it's going to be far better. Now guys, this also goes against common wisdom guys are like, no, there's no way I use thick socks in my boot. But is that because you have a boot that doesn't fit you really well? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the main reason a lot of people at big box stores recommend thick socks. So like I just throw a pair of thick socks on this guy, get him a pair of boots that roughly fit and like, it's all good. Right. It right. kind of fills up the space. But if you have a boot that fits you really good and you take the time to try a few from different manufacturers, mm-hmm. um, a thin sock will let you get just an incredibly good fit. What about uh, temperature? Like people who are afraid of their feet getting really cold or just their feet just get really cold, like would you then recommend them a, a thicker sock? Yeah, that's a really good uh a really good question. Actually, when I left off of the, the gear thing, it's funny, this podcast is great because every time we do it, I'm like, oh, I forgot to add that in there. Uh, but the sock itself isn't what's going to create the warmth. Like we talked about, the thicker it is, the harder you're going to clamp it. Mm-hmm. And there are exceptions to that if you have a fully rigid one, or but not for elk hunting. Um, what you want to do is get the boot that's warm. Oh, so okay. Skiing, got it. Skiing, you're going to 
like in skiing right now, I wear socks that are like as thin as my fingernail, basically, mm-hmm. which is guys like, wait, what? How do you do that? But the liner of the boot itself is where the warmth comes from. Gotcha. The same general principle applies to your boot. So, you know, you, you want a boot that's for most archery hunting in September and an insulated boot is plenty fine. Like I would not recommend insulated because your feet's probably going to sweat like crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're going late season, rifle season, you're going, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're someone that has Renaud's or like that's a disease that's limited blood flow. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, that's very common. Uh, you can get an insulated boot. So a lot of these boots come with like, you know, 200 grams of thin slit or something. Like right, that. right, right. So get, if you know you want, have cold feet and that's always something you struggle with, get an insulated boot. Don't get thicker socks. Yeah. It's, okay. The other thing you'll see guys do too, is they'll be like, oh, it's cold today. I'll wear a thicker sock, but that completely changes the fit of your boot. Right. Then they got to compress it and, and all those problems that you just talked yeah. about. They're like, what's yeah. going on? I'm wearing this crazy thick sock and my feet are still cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be an aha moment for guys. They're like, oh, wow, that's what's been happening. But uh, yeah, so socks are critical. Again, like we said, absolutely make sure you're trying on stuff with with your socks. So that's really it as far as the things I think are critical in a boot. Um, somewhat important factors, price. Like again, dude, this is not the area to skimp money. This makes or breaks your hunt. Uh, your ability to walk and find elk is really the number one thing that's going to get you elk. So good boots cost 150 to 400 bucks. That's going to make up to 400. Wow. Yeah. Make guys swallow their lunch. Um, but I think a good pair is 150 to 200 bucks is typically what you're going to see. Okay. Um, I'm rocking the Las Portivas. Those are 399 guys are like, Oh, what the heck? I didn't buy them for 399. It's pretty easy to find boots since they're so niche on closeout. You just got to watch year round. You're not going to find them in the summer. That's when everyone uses boots. Yeah. But if you watch in the fall and the winter, I think I got those for like 210 almost 50 percent oh wow right nice so it's pretty easy to find great deals on once you find the boot you find the last you find the company you know what to look for you can really it's like all buying products if you know exactly what you want then you're then you can figure out what the deal is right yeah um so but you're going to invest here right it's not you can't get away with like a 90 dollar boot it's just never going to be the quality you need to to do this um oh my last big my last big opportunity leather versus synthetic oh man here it comes. Uh, I am really against leather boots. <laughs> why? I don't put this as critical because you can still use them. They're, they'll work. But here's, here's why I think leather boots suck. <laughs> First, they don't breathe well, mm-hmm. right? Um, the theory is that it is pretty breathable, but uh, and it is right off the bat. But the, the pores in it are going to clog because they're pretty big. Because it's remember, it's just cow skin, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not a manufactured pore. The pores will clog. Once you put a membrane in there, they're going to get bad. But most importantly, they're going to wet out, which is the water is going to soak into the leather itself, mm-hmm. right? And what that does is, remember how we talked about there has to be more water vapor on one side of the boot for it to get pushed to the membrane? Yeah. Well, guess what? If the wa- leather on the other side of that sock is completely saturated with water, <laughs> the water in your boot can't get through. So it's effectively uh, like you have a no longer a waterproof boot. It's just going to completely get in. And so leather boot manufacturers be like, oh man, you got to, yeah, well, you got to put the, redo the coatings. You got to maintain them. But like, A, who wants to maintain a boot, right? And B, guys are never going to do that. <laughs> and C, that stuff does not last long. I remember I went to New Zealand with a pair of leather boots. Um, 
brand new pair of Zamberlins. They're great boots, but I used them for a bit. Then I retreated them in my bathtub with the best top of the line treater. Uh, went there and like two days in, they were wetting out. Oh, wow. Just dragging them through. New Zealand's very, very thick underbrush. Um, yeah. You need a very different type of boot set up there than here. Uh, and you're, they're wetting out in two days, and that's basically not a waterproof boot. I'm like, that's yeah, it. Right. I'm done with leather forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some other things that really stink about leather, they shrink and expand. Everyone's had that leather boot that you let sit for, you used a lot, let it sit for two months, try to put it on. It's like you can't even fit your foot in there. Mm-hmm. Then you tighten it up, you hike for an hour, and then it completely stretches out. Now you got to retie everything, right? Uh, so you're constantly untying, retying, pain in the butt. Uh, we talked about maintenance, and they're heavy, right? Leather's almost always heavier. It's just thick. It's it's whatever. So, you know, that's my little screed against leather boots, guys. But they're gonna always come back to me and be like, "Well, why the heck does leather in all the boots that are out there right now?" Um, well, the, the short answer is it's like the historical thing, right? We didn't have the precision to make, or we didn't even have synthetic materials to make good boots 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's been the thing people have been making boots out of for 110 years. So they pretty much perfected that art. And let's be honest, it was the pinnacle thing back then because we didn't have man-made materials. It was, it would also, you know, has some benefits, right? It, it molds to your foot over time. It kind of stretches. That stretching is good in some ways. It molds to you. And it'll get rid of those hot spots sometimes because of that. But that's really changed in the past 10 to 20 years because of the rise of like really good durable synthetics. The synthetics have been around for a while, but they weren't durable enough. Right. Um, and they're super comfortable now. So nice. you know, nylon, thermoplastics, spectra, high molecular weight, fibers, polymers, all that stuff is that's 10 to 20 years. I mean, it's been out for 30, 40, but manufacturing hasn't caught up to that. Got late. it. Yeah. Uh, so the synthetics have caught up and and you argue that they've surpassed leather boots now in terms of performance totally and you're almost it's pretty rare you get a full synthetic boot these days um i've got one or two but you're it's almost always going to either be like a slight hybrid of leather and synthetic um and again i don't if you have a full leather boot you're going to be fine guys have been doing it for years but like you're going to see better performance out of a out of something that's got synthetic or a large portion of synthetic nice most importantly in the upper and the upper is the portion on the outside of the boot above the sole, right? Okay. Because that's where the vast amount of breathability is going to be. It's going to be mm. passing through that. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, synthetic now is super comfortable. You don't, you don't need to break it in either, right? Because it's not like synthetic stretches. It's just kind of, it's there. Right. So okay. Boots are so comfortable that you can, I always recommend guys break in boots because it's not about breaking in the boots too. It's about breaking in your foot to the, you're changing your foot dynamics, but yeah another tip here in a minute we can talk about but synthetic's going to be lighter it's going to be more durable than leather it's going to be breathable way more breathable and it's going to require zero maintenance and like i know you josh you're not going to go scrub yeah i'm not going to yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen right um so that's that's uh, the reason i don't put that in the critical category is because it will be fine if you go with leather but i if you got a choice oh man go with the leather stuff Sorry, go with the synthetic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 100 now. I won't buy a boot that's not synthetic just because I've, I've seen that. I've got a great photo on the website of my boots all wetted out. That's yeah. This is turkey hunting two weeks ago. This is California in 80 degree temps, people. This yeah. Is 6 a.m. in the morning. I wore an old pair of leather boots because remember I hurt my feet taking mm-hmm. the mountaineering boots the first week. So I'm like, oh, I'll use another pair, which is another great tip. You can't. It's not a bad thing to have one or two two pairs of boots. 
because you can kind of rotate them on different days. Yeah. And they last, right? They last longer if you rotate them, but it also is going to put different pressure points on your feet. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, no matter how good a boot is, if you go crank hard and do stuff you haven't been doing for two or three months, which unfortunately a lot of guys are going to do when they go elk hunting, you can Mm -hmm. put on a separate pair of boots and it's going to put pressure on different areas and take pressure off blisters or hot spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I threw on a pair of old leather boots and they wetted out within like an hour. 30 minutes in the morning and then oh, uh, the man. entire day even though it's 80 degrees they stayed wetted out i'm just like oh, oh man I'm done with this there's a photo up there of that <laughs> exact thing nice. uh so you can see see that so i'll be buying a pair of uh um, slaywas or solomons here to try out because i let this fit my narrow foot pretty well mm-hmm. um with that sole pattern another thing that doesn't really matter too much uh used to be a big deal because people didn't really think through the science of what's going to be a grippy pattern. I've been Mm -hmm. obsessed with what's a grippy rubber pattern on dirt because I used to race mountain bikes semi-professionally. Right. Um, But take it from me as a guy who's spent decades looking at, uh, (laughs) you know, silt concentrations and uh, the type of loam you've gotten in dirt and what kind of knob depth and concentration you need. Uh, Right now, almost everybody's making a good boot, um, a good boot outsole or sorry, sole, I should say. Okay. Um, Vibram is kind of like the brand name. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, those are great. They, they always make a good one. So it's nice to have that security, but I, I honestly haven't noticed much of a difference between, uh, between stuff. If you're sheep hunting or you are doing something that's really, really intense, it might be worth looking at and you're going to be on rock a lot. So the durometer or the softness of the rubber is going to be really important, but generally for elk hunting, you're not going to be walking on rocks that much. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, just, you can always Google it, just Google it and be like, you know, if anyone has anything like, Ooh, this is a really slippery sole. You do want a nice grippy one, but most manufacturers, especially if you're getting into a specialized type four mountaineering boot are going to have a very, very grippy sole. So that's not that important. That's okay. Yeah. So if someone tries to, someone at a big box store or somewhere tries to sell you on the sole pattern, then mm-hmm. <laughs> don't buy yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's a little snake oil going on. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe not look at it, but okay. you know, it's the, yeah. Vibram is, I, again, I'm not trying to poo poo the company. Everything I've used from Vibram is phenomenal. But mm-hmm. the question you got to ask yourself is like, do you need, you know, is it worth the 5% increase for the brand name? Yeah, but it, you don't really have to answer that question a lot of the time because companies just come with it anyway. For sure, um, replaceable soles can be a nice thing. I've got those on the Trango where you can you can actually get a bootmaker to melt them off and put another one back on. If you're oh, a nice. guy that's you know if you're a guy that's gonna uh, boots like if you're outdoors a lot, I'll go through a pair of boots every year to two years, mm-hmm. um, and that's not even a ton. Like if I lived there, I'd be even more than that. But uh, if you're really putting a month or two months of hard use on them a year, they're done. So that can be a benefit. But most guys on this podcast, elk hunting, they don't live in elk country. They're going to be there for a, a year to, sorry, a week to two weeks, a year max. That means mm-hmm. the boot's going to last five to 10 years. Yeah. So it's another good thing to really make an investment in. Cool. Um, all right. Well, let's talk, uh, let's talk the stuff that really doesn't matter. Then let's talk wrecks and a little more about your situation. We can talk some tips and tricks. But uh, boot height, you really don't need a high boot. This is another holdover from the olden days where the only way to get good support was to create a really high boot. And uh, like we talked about a little bit before, ankle, you can't control the ankle. And if you do, that's actually really bad. It's really hard on your, your foot. So 
there's not more support that's necessarily offered with a higher boot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. Cause at, at a certain point of height, it sounds like your ankle's going to be supported enough. If you just go past yep. that, it seems redundant basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're just anything that's above your ankle at any degree, even if it's a fourth of an inch, it's probably, it can offer just as much support as something that's 10 inches tall. It's just about mm-hmm. the amount of stiffness the manufacturer puts in there. Um, and that's a holdover again from olden days too, because it used to mean that that was a way boot manufacturers visually indicated that this was a stiff boot. So if you mm-hmm. had a tall thing, oh. that meant you had a stiff sole, right? And so people were like, ooh, tall boots. They, you know what I mean? It's like a right. yeah, 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 yeah. They've learned that. So a lot of the most, the top end synthetic ultra light uh, mountaineering boots, like the Trango Cube, uh, Trango Cube I'm using. Mm-hmm. are actually just barely over the ankle. You know, they're like six inches tall. They're not super tall. Yeah. Um, but they're, trust me, they're stiffer than any boot I've ever used that's an eight or 10 inch mm-hmm. height. So don't freak out over that. People also, like you mentioned another time, worried about like getting things in their socks and their pants. But if you got a good fitted pair of pants, you're going to be fine. Elk Country doesn't have that much. Well, correction, some parts of Elk Country do, but the majority of Elk Country doesn't have undergrowth that's going to get in your socks stick yeah. that kind of thing so um which leads us to gators oh man you really don't need gators we talked a little bit about this too mm-hmm. but uh gators are lifesavers for uh, certain types of hunting for example new zealand when you're crossing creeks you can actually make a watertight seal with a gator between your boot and your lower legs it's basically like a pair of waders if you run through the creek fast enough Mm-hmm. That's really, really nice. Um, and if you also are like bushwhacking through this really thick shrub and undergrowth, there's all this water on those from right. moisture at night and gators are critical. And they're also those, those bushes are going to pull your pant leg off and get down in your shoe. Yeah. Real pain in the butt. So they're really critical there. Oh, cunning that just doesn't exist, right? Maybe if you're far Northern Idaho, um, there's exceptions to everything I'm saying here, right? Always. Mm-hmm. But you just don't need gators. There's not that much stuff. Cause if you're in dark timber, there's not enough growth in the bottom of the, uh, you know, the, the stuff just can't grow in there. There's no light. So there's yeah. not really anything there to, to grab it. You know, the exception to that rule is if you're going when it's snowing, right? I've, I've been finding eight to 10 inches of snow without gators, but if you're going late season where you might get a foot or two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gators are probably going to be good. Yeah. Mostly to keep you dry, huh? not like keep stuff out. Well, I guess yeah. water. Yeah. But they yeah. also do, they're waterproof. They trap moisture. Uh, they really make your feet sweaty. And, um, you know, so it's gotta be really cold outside. So if mm-hmm. you're wearing a gator in hot, you know, Idaho or Colorado in early season, you just, your whole pant leg and your boots going to be just damp. Cause yeah. And my, my feet sweat a yeah. lot as it is. So that yeah. would just be a nightmare. And they're heavy. They're expensive. hundred bucks, 60 bucks. Um, I've had one for five years. And I, I've never used it once cell cutting. You know, I have it in the car. I've never used it once, even when it snowed. Yeah, yeah this isn't worth it. And I'm using ankle high boots. So hopefully that right, gets right. later. Um, crampon compatibility. Hopefully this goes without saying, but sometimes people will try to sell you on that for light mountaineering boots. Um, <laughs> if you are hiking glaciers in snow, you are too high for elk. <laughs> 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 Unless it is a really, really uh, wet year. But uh, yeah, it's a general rule. You know, sheep hunting mountain hunting that's not true if you are going to do that as well then you are one lucky dude and you probably have enough money to afford 
getting a separate pair of boots for that. <laughs> gotcha. Don't worry yeah. about it. And then I, I was a little bold on this one. I put in not important things. I put brand. Um, so we talked a little bit about that, but uh, brands are useful because they are a promise, right? They're trust. And I do, uh, there's companies that have been around for years that make great stuff, but don't buy on brand because again, it's hundred percent about fit, right? And so you might see your favorite elk personality, your favorite website offers a discount on this brand of boot. But remember that brand of boot might have different stiffnesses and different weights. They'll make it sound like there might be one that fits your boot, your foot, but they're all based off of the same last generally. Some of them yeah. are, but generally, and you're not going to be able, like, I'll get very specific. Uh, Loa's, Loa's are great boots. Guys love Loa's. Um, they're almost all leather, which is my only knock on them. And they're pretty heavy, but they are incredibly, incredibly well-built. They're made in Germany. Uh, they're super strong and they've been around for years. I couldn't fit in a Loa boot if you paid me, you know, 10,000 bucks. Because mm-hmm. they're super high volume, they're relatively wide on your foot. Um, I just, uh, I would be miserable. And I might not even know it, but I'd be miserable, right? So I couldn't, if someone was like, oh, you got to try Loa boots, man. They, I love them. Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so that's it. That's all the like general stuff that any questions from that? Yeah. Now I know brands aren't important, but like there, you did get to name off a few, but wh- if someone's wondering like where's, I'm going to go online now. I'm going to search up a few different mm-hmm. brands. Uh, what are some good places they can start? And then maybe if you can categorize some for like, they're known for narrow, these are known for wide, big feet, small feet. Yeah. Um, so I've got Rex on the website. So if guys want to go and click through those, um, it'll help, you know, not right now, but eventually that'll be a way I stay independent where I don't have to take sponsorship money and other stuff. I can get, mm-hmm. uh, can do what's affiliate marketing through that, but now it's, it's not there. Don't worry about it. Um, the, but I've got Rex. I've got all these different uh, boots that are, that work well. So for, let's just start with kind of the cat three medium support mm-hmm. and for narrow feet, you know, narrow or medium feet. Those, uh, I always do that. Cause like, there's not a, dividing line right yeah yeah like a narrow or medium foot probably the best and this actually will be at big box stores to be like a solomon quest 4d mm-hmm. uh, i think they're on version three now two or a three whatever it's all gonna be fine um that's a fit that's narrow in the ankle wider in the forefoot it's a almost all it's like 80 percent synthetic some leather score text it's really lightweight it's got good support very comfortable like doesn't need breaking in that's like a if you go Google stuff all over the place, that wins gear uh, reviews year round. Phenomenal boot. Nice. Um, so a good, really good place for someone to start. Also going to only be about 180. So it's going to be on the lower end of that spectrum. Yeah. 150, something in there. Uh, the only downside with Solomon is they're not known for their waterproofing. Mm-hmm. They use Gore-Tex, but they're not known for consistency because they're made in cheaper offshore locations. So when you do buy a pair of those, definitely, definitely test it in the tub. Um, take it out for a spin or two, dunk it in a creek. And if it does, uh, you'll write it first, isn't good, return it, swap it. And if it does also spring a leak, you know, send it back to Gore-Tex. Yeah. Um, cool. They do that for a reason. If you're got a narrow medium foot and you're looking for like a cat two boot, they also make the X ultra mid. Mm-hmm. I think it's a three version now too. My wife uses that and loves it. Um, but that's, there's not much support there. Although it is a heck of a lot lighter. Yeah. How about category four for narrow to mid feet? That's uh, that's where I'm at, right? Um, and that's the I'm using the La Sportiva Trango Cube, and I cannot recommend that thing enough. It's a hundred percent. 
It's extremely, extremely lightweight, hundred percent synthetic. Uh, they've done a really cool thing where they fused the sole with the outer in a different way. So it's basically a lot thinner than other boots. Mm-hmm. Not only is it lighter, but you get way better contact with the ground. You're lower to the ground. So you're more stable, um, super lightweight, unbelievably lightweight for the, the support. It's actually the one that all the Navy SEALs use now. Oh, wow. Our nice. Special forces all use this because they're, you know, they're dropping in with an 80 to 100 pound pack. So even if they're on flat ground, they need an ultra supportive boot. Yeah. Um, they actually come in cryptic camo, which is pretty hilarious. The only boot I know of that comes in camo from a non-hunting manufacturer. But again, we've been over that. You don't need it. Elk can't see color. No big deal. Um, they have a red version. It's pretty dope too. So that's a, that's a huge one. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the other boot company that I recommended earlier from, uh, oh, they're from Switzerland. Come back to me on that. They, they make a very good narrow synthetic boot. Cool. So that's a good category three and a four for narrow. Do you know off the top of your head for wide for category three and four, what you'd recommend? Salewa. That's it. So I'm just Googling here. Yes. Salewas. They make you know, the crow or the rapace or some of these other ones that are phenomenal light mountaineering boots that are fully synthetic, really good for narrow or medium feet. Yeah. Um, I think Salewa out of Switzerland. So they, they tend to, again, Switzerland, it's Italy, narrow feet, dry, wider feet. Yeah. Um, so you're asking for a, a medium support wide one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, there's a fun bunch of good ones there. That's probably the biggest a medium wide foot with that cat three. That's probably the biggest, uh, category. Most people fall into that mm-hmm. in the United States. So I don't, there's not one that I'm like, this is the standout, but, um, lower renegades, they're leather, but I'll still recommend them because they're just such a good company. Uh, crispy Wyoming's are really good. Uh, Crispy's got some great boots. They're coming out with those. Um, yeah, those are probably the two I'd recommend right off the bat that I know are, are great. Uh, okay. I'm confident. You're some of, if you've got a medium foot, you can kind of squeeze into some of those narrower ones. Yeah. And use the smaller socks to try some of those out maybe if you know you're yeah. not a truly wide foot, mm-hmm. um, which is good. You can also, I think Solomon's come in wide, some of them. So you can check that out. Okay. And uh, then do you have to wear them on a hike to know that they're good fit because once you do can you return them or like yeah that's a hard one you'll be able to tell if they fit well in your you should be able to tell they fit well in your house Um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately you do have to hike with stuff to know if it's going to work yeah but you also need to remember that no matter how good a boot is it's going to take a while for your foot to get used to it right 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 so that's just kind of the way it is yeah Um, for wide feet with kind of cat four extreme support Scarper Shermo, uh, the Crispy Thor 2s, fully synthetic, wide stuff. Uh, really good boots. So those are those are some good wrecks across a bunch of different manufacturers for guys to start nice. looking at. Um, okay. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's generally it. And there's some tips and tricks, I guess, we could talk about. But we already talked about breaking them in. You got to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, man. This is so critical. Do not leave your boots near a fire. We get oh, this really? all the time. Oh, I definitely um, made that mistake. So many guys, everyone, almost everyone makes a mistake once in their life. The idea or the theory in their head is you leave the boot by the fire and it dries out better. Uh-huh. Trust me, that is not true. It will never, ever, ever dry out. Uh, like, because it just can't reach inside the boot when that's where you need to get the heat, right? Uh, so it just yeah, doesn't yeah. work. But what mm-hmm. almost always happens is you melt a boot lace or you melt part of your boot. And yeah. if you do that, your hunt, depending on how bad you do that, your hunt is done. Like you are, you are done, done. You are hiking out. You are going to a store. You are buying something that doesn't fit your foot. It is bad news bears. Damn. 
yeah so do not put your boots by the fire that's just i can't say that enough you might even just we might not know it but you might melt the membrane inside of the boot you can't even Mm -hmm. see it they're very sensitive to heat it's plastic um it's just it's very bad news to do that Um, okay in the same way also make sure to carry a pair of shoelaces um, mm-hmm. I don't carry an exact shoelace because I already carry like paracord or something to string up my elk. So I could always mm-hmm. use that. But if you just happen to snag a shoelace and break it, then like <laughs> you could be really out of luck. You might have to drive, get back to your car and drive all the way back to civilization. Yeah. That's a, that's a full day round trip just cause you popped one little string. So make that sure you've got suck. some sort of <laughs> string in your pack, man. Yeah. Um, that's generally it, but how you feeling? Is that a is that a big dump, or you uh, you feel like you got a good idea what kind of boot you're going for? Oh yeah, and I think because I came into this knowing my feet a little bit more than I think the average person, that's that's really helpful. So those wrecks mm-hmm. at the end, I'm I'm going to go to the website, um, check yeah. out those, uh, and then see which ones I can afford. Um, and then as soon as I get them, I'm going to put them in the tub for yep. a couple hours because, like you said, some can. Uh, they're not as consistent, I guess. So one pair might differ from the other. Is that what you meant? Totally. Yeah. Just okay, try them out. Cool. Um, yeah. Just see if they, see if they leak or not, and then you can return them and then, yeah, then just go use them. Your foot, honestly, a medium average foot, that Solomon backpacking boot would be great. And the good news about those is those are going to be at REI. Yeah. You mean the, the quests, the quests. Yeah. Those are yeah. Right. At, at REI, they're mainstream brand. There, that also means that 40 people are going to carry them, which means your odds of getting a discount are really high. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was one thing I was wondering is if I should go with a category three or a four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I've never tried a category four shoe before. Uh, they like can, uh, yeah, the way, the thing about a, one reason to buy a lower one is that if you don't, you go elk hunting and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is not quite stiff enough. Mm-hmm. You can still use that for light backpacking and hiking year round. Right, pretty happy with it. Um, I actually have I have a Cat Two and a Cat Four boot that I use year okay. round because I you know I can't use either. Um, and I'm actually trying out um, a new pair of Salewas versus a pair of Solomons right now. Yeah, um, trust me, I'm always buying and testing here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's not bad to have a lighter pair. So it's not the end of the world if you pick something that's not quite there. But again, you'll notice those things happening to your feet, your legs. You might yeah. be. The other thing about a stiff boot is that the chassis is stiff enough to go left or right. So when you're hiking along the side of steep terrain, mm-hmm. you're going to do something really well called edging, which is like yeah. the edge of your boot sticks in there and it's going to feel like a step. It's not going to collapse and blow down the, down the side of the slope there, right? So it's really going to cut into the side of the hill and give you that support you need. Yeah, when I was wearing those day hiking Merrells, uh, doing the fun quote unquote fun way back off trail outside hilling so much and it was just not comfortable (laughs) they're not doing it right they're they're basically rolling the whole yeah you can feel the edge just like sticking and collapsing yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. you'll be able to tell so if you get a pair of those out there and you're you're noticing that when you're elk hunting you're like okay i could edge up to a a mountaineering style boot but that's a serious commitment right it's a lot of money um you're a little heavier it's a lot of effort to go to that kind of you know super intense so I'd, i'd probably say start with the the backpacking one, just knowing you have an average foot and uh, okay. from there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause another concern that made me think like, maybe I should go fours is cause I'm pretty light. And so a weight yeah. on my back adds a lot, you know, like relative to my body weight to my ankles and my feet. So that was another uh, concern. Like if I, if I am packing yeah. out a lot, but yes you know. and no, I mean, it's, it's more about the total weight on your feet. That's actually a really good point you brought up. If a guy's, you know, if you're, you know, 
Clydesdale, you're strong, you're thick, you're 240, you're 250. Even if you have a normal foot, you might want to go to a mountaineering boot because you need support. Versus a guy that's super light like you, actually, it's the inverse is true, where like you might not be heavy enough to flex that boot, right? So you can go with a lighter cat two type thing. So I think for you, uh, since you're so light already, you could probably go with you know that mm-hmm. category three kind of backpack and boot and uh, be in great shape. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully yeah. that helps. Yeah, I think I'm going to check right? out those uh, Solomons. Yeah. Yeah. I think it out. does. I think there's, yeah, there's stuff that they're like, they, they probably knew like boots are important, like relatively important, but they just ne- probably never thought about it like this in depth. Yeah. And like all the different styles and how to buy, when to buy, how heavy they should be. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think the hard thing about boots is that you're, what you might be taking for granted, the pain and the, the blisters and the other stuff, you might think that's normal because you've always had bad fitting shoes your entire life. And when you get them set, you'll be like, oh, wow, this is revolutionary. You'll feel like you can run up and down mountains. Um, and that, the last thing I didn't add is that if you do truly have a bad pronation foot or like something you need to correct anatomically, you're getting a good custom you know, insole or something that's, that's going to fix that. I have to do that on certain boots. Um, mm-hmm that's worth it, the money, but don't, you don't have to do that for everybody. So don't yeah, so the, replace the insoles unless you know, you've got a problem with your foot. Yeah. For the people who do, how, where do you go to get a custom insole running uh, shoe store, running shoe stores will mold them. Your doctor will mold them. You can get ones off the shelf, you know, super feed, mm-hmm. uh, sheep feed or whatever. A lot of these companies that do this stuff, um, will have them, but you know, I would say, unless you know, you need it, it's not, not necessary. Cool. And it's May now. When do you think I should buy my boot? Like last, like, like, uh, yeah, I buy them, you know, as soon as possible is always better. Um, Mm -hmm. the nice thing about these is since you're not buying from hunting manufacturers, like they're generally not going to run out. There's not enough demand to like get rid of the boots, especially something Solomon. This will be there all the time. Yeah. If you wanted to get cheap boots, you should have bought them in the winter, but it's too late. Right. right? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, anytime now, cause it's, the thing that'll happen is you might get them. They might have the leak. You got to send them back. Yeah. You might get them. You might try them and you're like, this just doesn't work for my foot. You sell them used, you buy another pair. So you want to have enough time to kind of try that all out. So I'd say at least two months out from milk season be the way to go. Okay, cool. I'll probably buy them pretty soon and start hiking on them. Yeah, exactly. Just give them a, give them a shot. You'll be impressed. Nice. And then I'll be thinking about elk hunting, like when I'm wearing my boots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be, every time you go work out at them, you'll be uh, yeah. going for it so yeah. good stuff awesome all right man well, let's wrap this one up for this week we're getting deep in the gear stuff we got a few more coming and then we'll uh we'll get back on to elk tactics and strategy which is kind of cool but uh, for guys that were following along you can go to the website the hunt at baxterbowman.com uh the hunt elk in 2020 series has links to all these different gear guides and well not only will we have all the wrecks listed up there with the links but we'll have the deep dive and the pictures and all that good stuff so head out there get it done as always like or subscribe that really helps us um for doing this on a saturday morning (laughs) really appreciate it um that's all we got to say about that yeah and thanks so much for listening and uh yeah definitely subscribe and then yeah shoot baxter an email if you got questions you know he's done so much research and so can give you save you a lot of time researching if if you want to if you want to have a quick question you can ask him yeah yeah if you subscribe to that newsletter just bounce me back on email or go comment on the article whatever it is love it um always happy to help guys cool let's do it all right talk to you guys next week